PI Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and with me is my co-host, political scholar, meme lord, and secret love child of Willem Dafoe, Borge. <laughs> okay, that's a... PI nyo, PI nothing lahat, Borge here at your service. PI what the hell? <laughs> in fact, right with me here in the studio, you have Willem Dafoe. Hello, Anthony. It's me, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> father. <laughs> For the viewers at home, if you haven't seen his face before, he actually looks like a spitting image of Willem Dafoe, a Filipino version of it. So check it out. You know, <laughs> Something to look forward when we have yeah. a videos, <laughs> video session soon. Anyway, yes. So welcome to episode three. And so far, it's been a, lot, a while since our last episode. And ever since the PI community, yung mga PI, ay nagiging international. Hindi ko alam kung ano. OFW mga yun. But uh, we'd like to welcome you. Uh, we have viewers all the way in Korea, Nihao. In China, Nihao. And in Japan, Nihao. <laughs> I'm terrible with languages. Even in you know, France and Germany. So welcome. Guten Tag. Bonjour. Konnichiwa. Ciao. Konnichiwa. Yes. Oh, and um, actually... There are quite a few people that enjoyed our last episode on martial law. In fact, one regular review we have is my own grandmother, who actually enjoyed your story about Cincinnati's porch. Ooh. Remember that one? Yeah, 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 I did, I did. It's probably because she knew Cincinnati's back in college. I don't know. Grandma, uh, anyway. <laughs> I, no. Uh, love you, Lola. <laughs> Thank you for listening. It's just a joke. <laughs> anyway, so today. Um, our growing community will be discussing a bit of a more general problem that has been plague, like plaguing well, perhaps everywhere in the world, but more mm-hmm. in particular, Philippine society. Uh, basically, the title of this episode is, Why Can't We Be Friends? Why, Why can't, can't we, we be, friends? be friends? Why can't we be friends? The duet now, we're singing more. <laughs> that means big, yeah. All right. So, have you noticed this, Borge? Like, in mm. the internet there, mm. there's always a fight between the dds and the lawan pro yep. duterte anti duterte or yeah, just yeah. any any political disagreement do you agree yeah yeah i i mean i, I got hounded by trolls last month i believe oh. <laughs> oh wow what was that like what did you uh, do well i posted a uh, comment of mine in i think in one of their master's uh, posts Dubbing him a political liberal, and you, since you the post that, was public, yeah, they all came in. Oh, you pissed off a head troll. Yeah, uh, I just pissed off a head yeah. troll. Okay, and what did yeah. happen then? Then what happened? They hounded it's, you. They... It's a nice piece of data, really. I never replied to any of them. Mm-hmm. I, I just watched them scream. <laughs> Again, never feed trolls. Never mm, feed trolls. Yeah, well, that's right. At least, how do you lose them? By the way, I mean. <laughs> Uh, I think I, I, I think I, I went down. Uh, I went low profile for a few days, then uh, reset my privacy settings, and uh, and now I'm back. <laughs> oh, okay, that's good. So the usual response to a troll or someone you don't like is that it's, you simply block them. Yeah, it's eh, the easiest one. That is one thing, or just just don't, just, just don't reply. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, normally in. In the pre-internet age, you simply avoid people talking about politics or you simply just walk away. But especially in your network, when they just broadcast their views and you, sometimes you just elicits a reaction, sometimes you can help it. And then all of a sudden it becomes like this whole big event, like mm. an awkward dinner in, with your family members and reunion. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. But that's and, the thing. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Uh, let me ask you one thing. Is it a good thing that the best thing that we can do right now is to just walk away. Is it actually a good thing? Well, right now it might be the best reaction to do because you know mental health is at an all-time uh, all-time high. Actually, like their cases of mental health is skyrocketing, and the discourse is on that. So the best thing you can do is just go away. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, you're right that it's not a good thing. You know, instead of like setting your differences, finding a mm. common solution, mm. compromising, we simply just block them. And at the same time, it affects the way you see them. You see them as maybe, as, with, as we've mentioned in the past, maybe subhuman, 
mm. maybe see them as an enemy. Beyond redemption. Uh, beyond redem- redemption. They can't be reasoned with. And mm. so, that, therefore, you cannot be friends. And that's, <laughs> and that's problematic. And so we hope to try and analyze why is this happening? Is it something within our culture? Or is it something to the nature of our politics? So let's, let's try to define some terms, you know, with regards to this phenomenon. Uh, actually, with the, there's this uh, documentary that I recently watched on Netflix. It's called The Social Dilemma. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's similar to like the, the one about Cambridge Analytica. They have a similar mm-hmm. thesis, but they say the same thing. And that's that social media right now is being, is designed to elicit reactions from you that are both toxic mm. and guttural and appeals mm. to your emotions. What do you think this will do to the quality of like maybe our politics? And not just here, but in the United States and around the world. Mm. Oh, that one. The thing is, whenever we discuss, whenever we engage with human beings or with our fellows, let's just put it that way, whenever we engage with our fellows, we must be aware that you have at least two cognitive processes engaging with one another. And cognitive processes are not purely reasonable or rational, to be more specific. They're not purely rational. Cognitive processes would always have emotions. So it's whenever we discuss anything, it is futile to simply say that we must appeal to reason, to logic. No, it's, emotions would always be a part of it. Mm-hmm. So whether or not the, the, it's designed that way, because technically the idea of clickbait Mm. Pre- like precedes that of the internet and even in the in the newspapers and broadsheets and mm. the headlines it's always exaggerated and to elicit emotion from you mm. you know the strong verbs yep um but regardless and that's the easiest thing to do you fir- you first feel before you think mm. you come to think no matter how yeah. rational you try to be um okay have you seen this uh a lot of literature going around, particularly mm. in these pop, quote-unquote populist times, mm. that you're calling it the greater polarized, polarizing mm-hmm. politics. Mm. It's polarized everywhere. Mm. Is the Philippines polarized? What do you think? Polarized, I think we have multiple polarities. I think we need to define what the polariz- a polarized situation is first. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it merely a division between two great camps? Is it about uh, differences in, in, in relation to issues, differences in how we talk, so on and so forth? So how, how would you define polarization? Well, you kind of mentioned it already. Like it's usually, it's a situation wherein it, everything is divided into two camps. So if you have mm. like a similar situation in America, wherein it's between Republicans and Democrats or mm. Like beyond the parties, mm. you have progressives and conservatives. Mm. And before, there would be moderates, mm. so where people are, agree with some ideas on one side and some on the other. But mm. right now, because of social media or maybe the kind of politics that have been plaguing maybe populist politics or in the way that clickbait journalism is creating, now there are less moderates and more mm. and more people are hunkering down on the other side, basically, mm. if you had more inclinations of progressives, you go further on the progressive mm. side, or if you're more conservative, you go further right. Mm. So, and perhaps in the Philippines, it's quite different to imagine it as polarized, mm. you know, because we don't have political parties yeah. the same way that we do. So there are no real polls. Mm. Uh, in fact, there's this article that argued that the Philippines is not polarized. Precisely because of this, there's no parties. So just because there are no parties doesn't mean we're not polarized, you know. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you have? What do you have to the, yeah. react the, to that? That's the thing. Uh, if you're looking for uh, what we call ordinary polls, then I, polls based on ideological, not not ideological. I'm not going to mention that one yet. Uh, but if you if you would look at polls based on partisan lines, then you would not find any of those in the Philippines. The thing is. Uh, it's also advisable to look at polarization in relation to the issues. The thing is, there are issues that at this point, people think do not merit a gray area, meaning uh, the very important issues, very what we call uh, emotionally charged issues. 
that the people would not give a gray area to. They, they need a yes or no to it, pro or anti. There's no room for debate, yeah? Yeah. And to an extent, I do agree that some issues really are supposed to be polarized. But the problem is some issues are not supposed to be polarized, yet they are. <laughs> or mm. polarizing, yet they are. So it, it's not a matter of polarization per se for me. It's more of uh, choosing which issues should be mm. considered as pertinent or should have a pol- polar discussion. In fact, one example that we can have is, according to this is the fact that Duterte has a 91% approval rating according to Pulse Asia, or at least a survey done by Pulse Asia. And because everyone on social media making their voice heard has been, for the past few months now, almost unanimously agree that the government or the regime is doing a terrible job, Mm. then now they're questioning the validity of Pulse Asia because it doesn't match their their initial um, intuitions. Hmm. What can you say about that? It, that's that's, uh, that's an example of polarization, hmm. don't you think? Like when yeah, people it, have a clear sign, and when it goes against that, then it's obviously wrong. So yeah, false yeah. Asia is wrong. I think it's it's uh, it refers to a related topic, which is cognitive bias. Uh, cognitive bias, in a nutshell, refers to how we process information. The thing is, we already have existing beliefs, we have existing attitudes. Cognitive bias. To an extent, it's a natural process in human thinking. But what it does is we only accept information that suits what already exists in our heads. And we immediately question things that contradict what we believe in, the attitudes that we have. Uh, Hence, you have anti-Duterte entities who probably would have a better view of science or scientific methodologies in the social sciences if the results would have been in their favor. But since it's Mm -hmm. not, they're also the ones attacking the validity of the poll. So yeah, cognitive bias is a very tricky business that we should be more aware of at this point. Mm -hmm. In fact, depending on which side you're on, you know, if you're on the other side, Mm. you wouldn't be complaining because it's important. but it's a funny thing. It's, it's so unanimous, 91% compared to the number, the thousands mm. of people have died already. So it feels very, like despite the facts, there's mm. some people that say that they're, they agree with, the, mm. like they're satisfied with the territory mm. because of their initial support. Mm. Or maybe perhaps it's simply, and this is probably one reason, it's the nature mm. of our society, is that, they're afraid to go against authority. If mm. they say that they mm. are not satisfied, what if their what if their responses mm. are recorded with their names and they can be mm. tracked down? Mm. And so, therefore, the opponents of their have been killed. Mm. So perhaps that's yeah. another fear. It's you know, possibility. Another, mm-hmm. If you, in fact, that's if we can go perhaps into we've talked about what's going on mm. and why there are no compromises or there are no real discussions. So let's try to look at why that is the case. If you notice, it's kind of like a, our politics is more based on personality. So mm. if you're for that person, you're with that camp mm. or you're not, it's either you're with him or against him. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about that? Uh, again, we go, we go again to the issue of emotions. I mean, such things trigger our emotions, our attachment to personalities, to an extent can be related to our emotional conditions, to our existing habits regarding that one. But, but let me ask you, I'm just utterly curious. When you saw the news about that poll, that 91% thing, what emotion got triggered when you read that news? Uh, honestly, as a someone steeped in political news, I think I've become really jaded. <laughs> so the thing, my initial instinct is, okay, who did they interview? How do they word the question? And I think these are at least valid inquiries on like the method. But the fact that there's some people that are of, well, of a similar instinct saying that, ah, paano yung yung survey? Paano ginamit yung survey? There are people who are becoming an amateur poll analysts because of that. Because not because uh, they they sense something's wrong with the method, 
but they assume and accuse that there's something wrong with the method precisely yeah, because yeah. it shows a um, uh, result that they don't recognize as true. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, the, but for you personally, you just said meh. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a meh reaction for you. <laughs> mm. Well, I suppose similar things came to my head. Like perhaps, and I don't want to think this because Pulse Asia is a long time trusted institution, but it could be that they are towing the line out of fear of what they might experience something similar to uh, to ABS-CBN. But so that's another possibility. But again, I'd like to assume or give them benefit of the doubt that mm. they did their due diligence. Mm. But overall, it could just like they perhaps that's something more interesting. The fact that in spite of due diligence and method and the fact that mm. people say, say this, that they are satisfied with Duterte's response, mm. despite the results, despite the people that have died, despite the delays in the testing, mm. despite the incompetence of his lieutenants, mm. which is outright like unquestionable, mm. you know, fill health, my God, I have, you and I have money in that thing and now it's gone. <laughs> Shit. So right now, I mean, so it's like, how can people say they're satisfied? Is it because of idol worship or maybe do they take it seriously? Maybe, or maybe mm. they're just hiding themselves. Maybe they, mm. they're afraid of going against authority mm. precisely because there has been a pattern. Mm. His opponents and its critics have been either jailed, publicly humiliated, or outright killed. Mm. Anyway, well, that or just take over a bit, or, or just yeah. or the very basic uh, possibility, which is something related to polarization. Supporters just doubled down. Probably, mm. probably that's the basic. That's one of the more basic explanations for that. Uh, we Why have do people here, down because we're mm. in a crisis. We're in a crisis. We have very few options. People are stuck in their homes. Uh, they cannot move around that quickly. And those in the provinces, there's always constant threat of uh, the disease spreading to their area. Things are in crisis. So they're holding on to something. Hence, they mm-hmm. double down. So that's an- another possible explanation. But th- the thing is, these are angles. These are perspectives that disappear whenever you have a polarizing situation. When you reduce an issue to a yes or a no, pro or anti, such perspectives, though they may be valid, disappear. And I think that's a cost of having a, having a, such polarized conditions. And we go back to the issue of discussion. Mm. Okay. Yeah, we go back to the issue of discussions. How do we discuss properly? Have you ever been in a, in a political argument? Mm, oh, definitely. Have, have you ever started one? Being, uh, mm. Mm. You may need to edit this in post of the giggles. Uh, but no, <laughs> just a few, <laughs> just a few, like just a few days ago, actually, mm. uh, a few, a former classmate of mine actually almost canceled me because I said something that was against her views, which was something like, I actually admire J.K. Rowling. You know, you know J.K. Rowling, who has been under fire and attacked for being quote unquote anti-trans, even uh, though she's, if you look at the words, they're not necessarily anti-trans. They're, she's simply reaffirming the reality of biological sex, and if you mm. recognize that, then you that then it recognizes the reality of trans people. Let's mm. say no, but biology is not real. What Trans the hell? Women are women. Wait, yeah. wait, bio- biology anyway, is not real. We can talk about that some other time. <laughs> Biological sex in particular is not real. Uh, and that's another example. Because if their views, they even go against science. Like similar, they go against the poles, which is a science. Hmm. They go against science itself. When science goes against them, they're saying, oh, it's patriarchal. Oh, there's an agenda. So even like, like similar things happen with like, um, climate change if they don't like it's an inconvenient truth therefore mm. they ignore it you know that climate yeah. change the data there's a consensus therefore they ignore it 
So, and the, and the one thing that you mentioned, like when there's a insecurity, they hmm. stick with it. It's familiar. A lot of times when it's even in discussion, if even if the facts and the world around you is burning, you know, hmm. because of perhaps a decision you made or because of someone you support, hmm. sometimes it's, they, they, they get their heels, they double down because hmm. it's what they know. It's they stick with what is familiar rather hmm. than once they let go of that familiar thing, they'll be backed into the uncertain. You know, they don't know yeah. what to believe in anymore. Who do they follow? And uh, that, that's a natural human tendency. It's how we survive as human beings. Uh, we stick with what is familiar, but what allowed human beings to advance is to have the audacity to move beyond the familiar. And I think mm. as far as Nietzsche is concerned, that is only reserved for a few who can push humanity forward. Well, that is his argument, but as far as I'm concerned, uh, yeah. There are people who would always dig in in their comfort zones, and there are those who would dare question their own beliefs at the point of insanity, and that is very mm -hmm. difficult. It's it's right. difficult to handle cognitive dissonance, especially if it's self-inflicted. <laughs> and as a result, they would go against science, something that is objective. They think that science is a side, you know, that, that, that it that, is an agenda in itself. You're right. Yeah. Uh, that's, that, that's, that's, that's the thing. That's just reversing the old... Uh, to an extent, I blame the obsession of scientists to pure objectivity for this. Because without... Mm -hmm. if, if that mythology of pure objectivity is abandoned, then we can very well assume that all science would have an agenda. Hence, you take the discussion forward. You take it to the level of mm -hmm. what kinds of agenda should be behind science. But the problem is for the longest time, mm -hmm. especially in the social sciences, there was an obsession with pure objectivity. Hence, today it's being reversed. Now you have claims that something should be totally unbiased. If it's not mm -hmm. totally unbiased, which is an impossibility, nothing can be totally unbiased. It's right. an impossibility. If something is not totally unbiased, then it should be abandoned. Mm -hmm. uh, so... That's, that's one thing is scientists probably have brought this upon themselves. But the, do, but, do you know that's, yeah, mm, that some the, people claim that, mm. uh, that science is patriarchal precisely because it again goes against the feminist agenda when they say that according to science, women have these certain preferences and men have these certain preferences. Therefore, science is patriarchal. Uh, so science becomes like another agenda among many. Uh, to an extent, it, it can ve very well be discussed. As, as, I think you can view science as either a hammer that anyone can use, or you view science as the person and the hammer together in action. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. But regarding that one, I think it's a giant leap of logic to... I, I'm not yet that familiar. I have, to an extent, I've steered clear of that issue because I don't find it important. <laughs> To be honest, to be honest, that is, okay. it's, I'm not saying that it's, it's not important for me personally, but I let other people deal with it. And if they want to share their knowledge, I would be happy to listen. But uh, again, I, I have limited brain cells. Everyone have limited brain cells. I would rather focus on mm -hmm. things that I think are more important. Right. Speak of limited brain cells. The fact that you know, when you engage someone in an argument and you like, they have different views, mm. it's it spends brain cells and spends yep. time. And so rather, so, and I think the, the way people discuss, mm. I think we mentioned before is when you see, and it, and this goes back to the culture of debate, you know, mm. every time in high school, your mm. teacher would have you debate different things. Sometimes you're in debate clubs. Mm. The idea of debate is to win. And when you mm. win, you beat the other side into submission. Yeah. <laughs> So debate is, again, winner versus loser. But when you try to discuss, you know, uh, objectively, you have to assume that perhaps both of you are somewhat wrong and therefore mm. maybe you can find the truth together. Mm. But when you assume that, oh, I am right and you're not willing to let go of your preconceived notions, then the mm. other person, when you talk about these things, the other person can only, like, 
defend themselves as well. Mm. It's similar to like the reason why religions can't coexist with one another. You know, like mm. before Protestants and Catholics would kill each other if they were to step in to like their territory and the other precisely because of this in- incompatibility of beliefs, mm. maybe in the Crusades, Muslims and Christians, etc. Mm. Because they cannot let go of their own gods. But if you can at least assume just a little bit that maybe you might be wrong and the, the other person holds something that is important to the issue, maybe mm. it's their own experience, maybe mm. it's their own sources or data, mm. then you can lay it on the table, find it out together. That's another alternative to uh, having disagreements. Mm. But the problem is we can't. We have our own gods. We have our own biases. We have our own principles. Mm. So rather than maybe think, like maybe get to know the other side, you just impose and throw it at the other side like an arrow and see who is left standing in the end. Yeah. So yeah. it is, it is, mm-hmm. it is sad to an extent. It is sad. Well, especially this culture of debate, which I have no love lost for debating and such. The thing is, debating is only good if you're going against powers that may be. But if debating, if, if this culture of debating is applied to ordinary citizens, I think it is more problematic than beneficial to citizenship. Because as you said, they consider, themse- they consider each other, they're bound by the tradition of debating to consider each other's enemies. One, exactly. must, go, one must go down for the other to win. But does anyone actually win in a debate? Does anyone actually win in the debate? <laughs> what, are the, what are the standards of winning in a debate? Well, for some people, they get awards. The ones who get the most awards wins, you know, their report cards yes. or trophies in their shelf. And that's funny. You, in the debate, you see each other as enemies. But in fact, if you go in the, the classical sense, maybe Aristotle, politics in the polity is a relationship amongst friends yep what does it mean to be a friend it's not it's something that you have things in common mm. hobbies maybe you live in the same area mm. but what's essential is that it is a relationship among equals yep if you see them as an enemy you cannot see them as an equal you see them as a threat to your way of life which may be the case maybe they hold views that you know you don't deserve the same amount of rights Perhaps if you're maybe gay or you're someone of a different religion mm. or someone of a different uh, political party, you are a threat. You know, mm. Perhaps that is. Or sometimes, and I think this is true, especially here in the Philippines, mm. when you see each other as someone of a different tribe, a different animal, mm. or uh, at least according to Padre Kusaka, the main delineating or mm. polarizing force is class. Hmm. When you maybe you're rich, ah, mata pobre kyan. Or if you're poor, ah, walang disiplina yan, walang kwenta, hmm. hindi edukado. Hmm. It's, perhaps it's like a. Konyo uh, versus Jologs. Like, <laughs> Jologs, exactly. Konyo versus Jologs. So, do you see that? Do you agree with Kusaka's I, uh, argument that split. sometimes even something as, as a class that makes you as. Unequal. Therefore, they, mm. you see the other person as an enemy or even an oppressor. Or mm. if you're on the other side, if you're rich, saying they're undisciplined, unwashed mm. rabble. Okay, okay. Regarding that one, I need to split my answer into at least uh, in relation to two sets of people. Um, but let me go back a bit. Let me go back a bit to your uh, to the argument that it's it spends brain cells to discuss. The thing is, it's tiring. It takes extra effort to transcend your own biases. It, it takes effort to transcend your own mental comfort zones. It's far easier to just argue what you already know. It, it is. It is mentally easier. You already have connections in your brain anyway, so you just need to express it. But it's far more difficult to try to make new connections using new information from your opponents or your the, the one you're talking to, not necessarily your opponents. And that's the problem. We have so many divisions in society, real ones, material ones, that would exhaust our mental capacities. I mean, we, we, we cannot, if we're too busy working and we only have a short amount of time to wander around social media, post comments, or troll people, you really have no energy to try to move beyond existing divisions. 
So I think there are real, what do we call, <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to say neurological <laughs> limitations. I'm not saying that people are stupid, it's just they are n not physically in a position to give extra effort to be in a discussion. But they have enough energy to troll people. <laughs> but they don't have enough energy right. to, <laughs> they don't have enough energy to try to transcend a division. And when you said something about like material divisions, you know, this is, remember, this is politics. Hmm. Sometimes it's not whether we should paint our house red or blue hmm. or some, this is what decisions we can make that this means life or death. Hmm. Because for some people, the reason why they are invested in politics is because they need more resources from the state or they need more assistance or attention from yeah. the state. They're marginalized. Yep. The workers, the, the queers, the women, mm. you know, certain in like sectors of people. Mm. And at the same time, that's why, you know, it's, it's actually a struggle for, mm. for limited resources, yep. for limited you know, airtime, you know, yeah. even. In, mm. So it's, it's basically in a vicious cycle. It's basically in the vicious cycle. Yeah. Right. You have people who are incapacitated to have a fruitful civic life and having no fruitful civic life, they are disempowered from changing their material conditions in classic Marxist sense. We'll go back to Marx, actually. And at the same time, some people care for these people who are marginalized. And mm. so if you, if, if you, if you don't, like protect the same set of people then mm. you are also considered an enemy mm. and so yeah so that's another way why can't we be friends you have to we, we're friends if we defend mm. the same set of people mm. by with the same set of actions mm. and sometimes people disagree they, they have the same perhaps general idea that oh they mm. deserve equality mm. but maybe we shouldn't do this we shouldn't give them maybe a mm. million dollars or free money mm. or welfare or I don't know so that's the, that's another thing um it is yeah. difficult. It is difficult. And another thing about friendship, since you raised that one, I, I argue, I argue that uh, from an Aristotelian perspective, friendship is necessary for a civic life or a polity. In a society of citizens, they must consider each other's friends. But it's not only about equality per se. I would like to push the argument forward and say it's also about taking responsibility for your fellows. Who are your fellows? It's like we're saying, who is it? My neighbor. In yeah. other words, love your neighbor, like Jesus Christ. But who are my neighbors? So, yeah, that's, that's another issue. Who are, I, I think, <laughs> who are my neighbors? Yeah. Yeah, that is a valid issue. Who should you consider as your neighbors? The thing is, we must ask as the question. People. Yeah. Yeah. We, we must ask right now, who do we consider as neighbors at this point? Hence, we go back to the issue of polarization. You only consider neighbors that share your ideas, <laughs> share your stance. Mm -hmm. Hence, you're nice right. to them. Hence, you feel responsible to them. When you say feel responsible, you probably feel that you need to educate them more, you know, bring them closer to the flock, so on and so forth. And that's mm -hmm. another issue. Can you, should we consider right. the other side as friends? As, should we feel responsible for them? Like saying, you know, I remember in, in politics, when you sometimes vote and fight for a particular party or president, mm. they become the party of not only your, like your allies, but also your opponents. Mm. So in a way, it's like winner take all. And I think that's another mm. reason why political disagreements are so life or death, because mm. the nature of it, if you look at it, if you mm. look at our politics, it does not incentivize or does not reward compromise. It does not mm. reward collaboration. Mm. It, it rewards antagonisms. Like for instance, I remember this story. Um, my grand uncle actually was a major in the police. And he was having a fruitful career then all in Makati. And then all of a sudden uh, in his route and like in a routine electoral campaign, I think he was suddenly one of B Nye's opponents just shook his hand. It's a regular thing, just shaking people. He shakes everyone's hand and he shook the police, the policeman's hand. And then all of a sudden, nabalitan kay B Nye. I remember who it was. Then all of a sudden, he was transferred 
all the way to like a prison, like a warden. He became a prison warden in the Makati City Jail just because he shook his opponent's hand. Mm-hmm. And so that's the kind of culture we have. In f- and if it, it's, and it's the same thing. What happens when a certain politician wins? If ever someone, like maybe if someone from a different party wins a seat, that person loses budget. You know, if, if, if the majority controls it, you know, they can control the budget, they would starve it. That's what happened in mm. the same city, Makati, where Kid Peña won vice mayor, but at the same time, he was prevented from, prevented mm. from making uh, major contributions. Mm. Same thing that happened with Lenny mm. and Duterte. Duterte starved her of funds and mm. exposure because in real politic, the winner mm. kind of makes, make, keeps the power to themselves. Mm. And the losers lose even more. Mm. Even though they they're a minority, yeah. they're being, you know, mm. they're being banished almost or even starved. Mm. You agree with this as a observer of politics? That's the thing. Uh, real politic, I think, should only be applied to elites. Simple as that. Let the elites deal with this zero sum game. It's a different issue for civic life. That is, uh, that is where I draw a line. The relationship between or among elites, and let them eat each other. Fuck them. Uh, the relationship between the ordinary citizen and the elite, same thing. Let the ordinary citizen fuck up the elite. I don't care. The relationship between or among ordinary citizens must be different. I think that is where I would make a stand here. Clear argument. The real politic of elites must not exist among ordinary citizens but the problem is it right. already exists <laughs> and it's the reason well you talk about elites mm. and basically the, re- the way elites treat the regular voter is their mm. fan club and supporters and pawns yeah. mm. so and, and thus they embody that role and that, that's it they think mm. that their job is to support a particular politician yeah but that's another thing you know a part of you know part of a disagreement is you're maintaining your own voice Mm. in contrast to another. It's mm. in a way personal development. It's uh, developing your own identity. Mm. And in a way, yeah, that's very individualistic. Yeah. But yeah. in the Philippines, perhaps our culture is mm. more collectivist. Sometimes, yeah, even in voting, people vote as a family. So yeah. <laughs> culturally, do you think that it, it, that our collectivism can't prevent us from having like, our own disagreeable side? Mm. And we can't even mm. talk to our parents or our elders, or titos and titas, or the mm. priests. Collectivism itself is not a problem. I think individualism or collectivism are just two sides of the same coin, which is social existence. You cannot have social existence without either one of these. Collectivism becomes a problem when it hinders individual thinking. Individual thinking becomes a problem when it prevents social cohesion. It's a great I'm not going to say balance, but there's dynamics between it. Uh, personal experience, the thing is, I, I've never been in a political discussion amongst, or amongst family members because I just don't want to piss myself off. So that's, my, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's me asserting my individuality by not talking about politics with family members. <laughs> so just as a closing question almost before we go into recommendations, I'm you're not the friendliest man. Well, maybe I'm not either. <laughs> but you and I both agree <laughs> that... That's why we're friends. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's, you and I both agree that friendship is necessary for a functioning democracy. But it is a condition among equals. And mm. yet we live in a society where we are highly unequal by the class, mm. age, education, intelligence. Mm. How do we close this divide? How do we form this political friendship in a society that is obsessed with inequality or is in steeped in inequality? Well, first would be we must accept that it's okay to disagree. It's okay to disagree. I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of agreeing to disagreeing because that is just getting stuck in a gray area. I would also argue that we must go beyond dichotomies. But uh, 
the old answer that I have for this one, in, a, in an equal society, you must have mechanisms that equalizes people in politics and in economics. So both. Political democracy cannot exist without economic democracy. That's my big argument. But uh, short term... What do you mean economic democracy? Economic democracy, more or less, it's a, diff it's a topic for different podcasts, but in a, in a nutshell, it's about providing workers with the means of production. <laughs> yeah, it's a topic for different podcasts. But yeah. Communism? No. Yeah, to an extent, to an extent. But yeah, but that, that's a long-term project. But uh, short-term, mid-term, again, it's okay to disagree. Okay. Uh, but the question is, how do we form friendships? So you're saying it's something to do with economic democracy, meaning economic equality? Yeah, economic equalization would be more apt. Economic mm. equalization. Uh, economic equality is an ideal. Equalization is a bit more achievable. Okay. Constant process. So even though, like, say, a rich or middle class and a poor person walk into a bar, no, uh, or just try <laughs> to have a, a common conversation, they just say that they'll be equal. They should just accept they'll be equal eventually and just be allies right now or comrades. No, no, no. Regarding that one, okay, that, that's a different topic that we can tackle next time. But uh, the simplest uh, way to yeah. say it is? The simplest way to say it is we move again to the question of how we disagree. I think that is what mm. we must be aware of. So let's set aside economic equality. That's a topic for a different podcasts. But uh, uh -huh. I think we need to ask how should we disagree? Yes, it's okay to disagree. We need to ask how should we disagree and to what end? Right. We need to change those two practices. Mm, okay. Funny. You're, you say it's kind of a Marxian or Marxist way, maybe mm. post-Marxist, but the way I can form friendship is perhaps, and Arendt would say this is unworldly, but I'd say, remember that we're all children of God. So it's a Christian kind of ethic. At the same time, maybe go back to what, make, what we have in common, mm. which is we share this Philippine land. Mm. Sometimes that includes economic interests. Mm. Sometimes maybe in the shallow sense, genetic mm. similarities, cultural mm. similarities, yes. Mm. But even, but maybe we have common questions with mm. regards to that common world. Mm. And I think I'm more Arendtian when we say common world. We say mm. we share a culture, we share a language, mm. we share space with each other. Therefore, mm. we, when our problems kind of should be solved for the preservation of this common world we have. Mm. So that's Amor Mundi yeah. by yeah, by Hannah Arendt. So yeah. Anyway, to an extent, I do agree with that one, but but uh, right. dovetailing, dovetailing to that one, regarding again, let me reassert: there's a difference between conversations among politicians, conversation between elites and ordinary citizens, and conversations among ordinary citizens. So, if mm. we are to find something common, then citizens must recognize that they are also talking to ordinary citizens, mm -hmm. and they must words, even if you, yeah. Mm. Even if you talk to DDS, they're yeah. human too. <laughs> yeah, they're ordinary citizens. They're as powerless as you. Simple as that. And we must separate ourselves from the elite. We are not in any way <laughs> members of the elite, nor should we have any delusions that we are, mm -hmm. by being a fan, we become one with the leader. No, we're not. <laughs> but they're human too. They are our equals. And no, they're not, not. Our superiors. Yeah. No, no they're what? not. No, I, I'm not going to say that. We, we we have inequalities. No, no, no. They're not our equals. Elites, nah. Uh, no, we're well, disagreeing. That's <laughs> we're, we're disagreeing, but we're friends. <laughs> Political friendship. Uh, well, okay. Uh, maybe last thing. How do we, mm. knowing that, well, we're not quite polarized, mm. but we it's quite difficult to agree or even to agree to disagree. So maybe... Uh, perhaps a little practical advice before we go on to our recommendations. Practical advice, practical advice. You go first. I'm still thinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, number one, if they're to be believed, like the social dilemma, the documentary is to be believed, then simply moderate consumption of social media because mm. that's where trolls lurk and mm. it's their professional objective 
to get you emotionally drained. Just remember there is a world beyond that, you know, mm. and beyond politics. That's the funny thing with politics these days. Mm. Politics is strictly public affairs, but mm. even in your private life, quote unquote, even in your personal life, politics invades you. So mm. there's no longer that boundary between public and private. And so because mm. of that, our relationship with politics is unhealthy. So mm. at the same time, it's know when to disengage. Mm. That's mm. one. Number two, going back, objectivity. It's a difficult thing to, know, to really do. But in short, objectivity is going through the process to think of the ways. So how are we wrong? You know, before we engage in a debate, instead of thinking that we're 100% correct, remember maybe the, our opponent or our, the person we're talking to has a piece of the truth. And so just assume that our version of the truth is incomplete and we need to get that from the other person. It's simple. Before you engage in a debate or in a discussion, just say, think about yourself. What are the ways in which we are wrong? And it's a good exercise for thinking, really. That's what thinking is. It's checking, how am I wrong? So your answer, practical advice to depolarize. Depolarize, we cannot depolarize. It is as it is. It's more of how to handle discussions if you find a good one. Mm -hmm. I think we need to, again, we need to abandon this debating tradition and look or more or less lean towards conversations. <clears throat> if we are to be more practical, then we need to start conversations. But again, it's a two-way thing takes two to tango you cannot have a conversation if the other one is not willing so mm. that's, a, that's another problem but yeah, the thing is practical advice you know regarding objectivity i would say this i think I, i'll just gonna dovetail with your advice if you want to be objective i'm not saying that it is impossible i'm just saying that total objectivity is impossible but if you want to be objective you need to look at yourself as an object need to be aware about your own biases and your own ways of speaking the same way that you're right. aware of the other mm -hmm. oh well all right that that's uh, interesting to think to think about and that was a long discussion but for now uh we'll put that on hold and we shall now start with recommendations this is the part where we recommend a book movie piece of literature essay that can help illuminate or supplement the discussion. So what do you have for us this week, Porridge? Uh, I have The Political Mind by George Lakoff. It's published by Penguin. It's basically a discussion on political neurology. So it's go, it goes beyond political psychology and goes to the actual brain structures. See what parts of the brain gets triggered by certain ideologies or rhetoric and why some politicians appealing to specifically fear and insecurity can gain an upper hand in relation to politicians who may appeal to reason <laughs> simply because our mm. fear, the fear part of our brain gets triggered easily and we react more to it. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a neurological look into the political divides. Yeah. Um, I actually have, I'm going to cheat this week and recommend two books. One is, I think is a common book that's easily available, but it might be a bit overexposed, but I think it's important for this discussion. It's Moral Politics in the Philippines by Wataru Kusaka, who is a personal friend of, a mutual friend of ours actually. Yep. And his argument is the main polarizer is class, wherein there is a civic sphere composed of the middle and upper classes and the lower class or the mass sphere. Mm. And because they have different life experiences, lived worlds, they have different interpretations of life hmm. so i think this is a very good contextual analysis of our current divides hmm. and at the same time the second thing is and this is a good book of mine it's not as accessible but hopefully people can find it it's called the private death of public discourse and the argument of this book is the reason why people can't handle public discourse is because they lack an interior life their opinions are, fr are fragile and, uh, and they're protective mm. of their opinions because they associate their sense of self with their opinions. And so if you have like a secure interior life, your opinions 
would not be so sensitive to you. Mm. And so perhaps that's a connection between that. If you, if you are secure with yourself, you would be able to mm. uh, like project yourself properly and confidently even when you're wrong in public mm. discourse. Mm. That's one. By Barry Sanders. I'll put a link yep. on where you can find it. Hopefully, it's a great book. It's one of my favorites. My dad bought it for me. Great. All right. Um, that's episode three. Is I think it's an interesting discussion. Very much unfinished, but uh, yep. I think we reached something interesting. Uh, hopefully, you guys learned something. I know I did. You? Yes, I did. Okay. And on the fourth episode, I think we it's okay to announce this. That we have an Ask FM page where you can mm. ask us questions. And the next episode will be a question and answer. So it could be about the discussions we previously had or maybe personal questions if you like. And then we'll be answering them in the next episode. Yep. Are you excited for that? It, to an extent, yes, yes. I'm thoroughly Nervous. excited. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, do you ask us. Hide. Ask us whatever, or just throw whatever you can throw at us, and we'll try our best to answer. All right. And with that, um, episode three is concluded. But until then, Makandang gabi, mga kapiay. If you enjoy the jazzy tunes of this podcast, you can find similar works with John Victor Ordonez of the band John's Dirty Old Sneakers at Spotify and SoundCloud. The logo and design were done by Shin Miyamoto and Anthony Borja. <laughs>